And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the gospel that we heard read, and especially Mary's song, the Magnificat, dear friends in Christ. You may wonder, are you in a Lutheran church? Lutherans don't talk about Mary. Roman Catholic churches talk about Mary. They pray to Mary. They have their own Maryology. Some would even elevate Mary to a status that is, well, quite frankly, not found in the Bible. The co-redeemer, the co-redemptrix, the intercessor between God and his people. So, because of abuses that sometimes have happened in the church for the last 2,000 years with regard to Mary, some Christians, including most Lutherans, tend to fall off the horse into the other ditch. We don't talk about Mary. We're almost embarrassed when the name Mary comes up in Scripture. Heaven forbid we would have a church service that would revolve around the minor festival of Mary, the mother of our Lord. So here we are. Which is it? Mary, the co-redeemer? who never tasted death and was bodily assumed into heaven? Or Mary? Shh. We don't talk about her at all. My friends, these two extremes are all too often found in the Christian church. And so tonight I would encourage us to be Christians to be Lutheran Christians, and to let the Bible, God's Word, speak to us. Speak to us with regard not only to everything, but specifically tonight, to and about Mary, the mother of our Lord. And I would submit to you that the Magnificat which we will be singing in a couple of different formats later on in our service. The Magnificat is not only a beautiful hymn, the Magnificat is a beautiful song, the song of Mary, but it is a bold confession of faith. I'll say it, I'll go so far as to say Mary's a Lutheran because she confesses Jesus as her Savior and Lord. Thanks be to God. By the time we get to our text here at the uh, end or late middle of Luke chapter 1, 
a lot has happened. You can check that out on your own. But a lot has happened. Several verses earlier, we have the Annunciation. The Annunciation, which we celebrate on June 25, usually falls, uh, or April 25, excuse me, usually falls right in the middle of Lent. What is it? The angel Gabriel comes and announces to the Virgin Mary that she will have a baby, and not just any baby. Luke 1. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God comes to Mary, not because she is holy, or perfect and without sin. God comes to her in her lowliness and in her humble estate. God chose Mary, not because of anything innate in her. God chose her by grace to be the vessel, her womb. She would carry the Savior of the world the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a high honor. And because of that high honor, she should be honored and respected. Not, not worshipped as if she is God, but honored and respected. What comes next, those extra verses in our text that I had Vicar read during our gospel reading for tonight, we often call the visitation. Mary, after she hears that she is going to be the mother of God, goes and visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we have all of that in the early verses of Luke 1. And the angel tells Mary that Elizabeth who was thought to be barren, was now in her sixth month. So she goes, and she travels, and she visits Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, she's amazed. What have I done that I should get this great honor, that the mother of my Lord should visit me? 
And Mary breaks forth in song. The Magnificat that we have before us right here. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We have kind of a, a Hebrew poetry thing going on here. It's called parallelism, where one line is said, and then the next line repeats what was said with different words, and maybe even elevates the thought. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's soul, Mary's spirit is praising God. Why? Because God is her Lord and Savior. So, why does God need to be magnified? Is he so small that we need to get out a magnifying glass and make him bigger? No, that's not in any way, shape, or form what is going on here. Mary and teaching us is magnifying, extolling, praising God for how great he is, lifting up his name for all to see. God's name is magnified. When we believe the word of God, God's name is magnified. When we believe the word of God and live our lives according to the faith that God has given us. What does God desire? That his name be magnified so that people to the four corners of the world would hear and believe and be saved. My friends, in these two verses, Mary makes a bold confession. Now when we think about confession, most of the time we think about the first part of our service, the preparatory part of our worship service, where we come and we confess our sins to God. I, a poor, miserable sinner, you know. And then we hear from God through the pastor's mouth that we are forgiven, absolutely, on account of the person and work of Jesus. More properly, a confession is a statement of faith, like we did earlier in the Nicene Creed, or we uh, occasionally do with the Apostles' Creed, or the Athanasian Creed. So what do we have here by Mary? What kind of a confession do we have? We have both. We have both. Throughout the words of the Magnificat, we have dozens of echoes of Scripture passages. Mary knows the Word of God. She knows the promises of God with regard to the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. She knows them, she believes them, and she confesses them in this song. But do you hear what Mary says? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
my Savior. If Mary is without sin, as some would say, she would have no need for a Savior. But Mary, a poor, miserable sinner, like you and me, called by God, by grace, through faith, like you and me, confesses her need for a Savior. And not only her need for a Savior, but who that Savior is. She heard the message of the angel to her. She heard it and she believed it. The baby growing in her womb is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the one promised to Eve and Adam who would crush the serpent's head once and for all. How would he do it? With his strong and mighty arm. This Savior, this Messiah, this Jesus, which means the Lord saves, this Jesus now resident in her womb, would be born to live and die and rise from the dead to defeat Satan once and for all and to give to his people forgiveness, life, and salvation. My friends, as we read the words of the Magnificat, we see the word humble, humble estate, as it's translated here in the ESV, sometimes translated lowly estate. Mary is not bragging about how humble she is. No. The emphasis is completely different. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. My friends, the emphasis is always on God and what he does. He has looked on the low and the humble estate of you and me. God has seen that we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try. God calls us to humble ourselves before his word. When we're full of ourselves and full of our self-righteousness, we have no need for God and we have no room for the word of God in us. But as we humble ourselves, as we admit our lowly estate, we can hear the promises of God. Promises made. Promises fulfilled. My friends, tonight, as we remember and give thanks for Mary, the mother of our Lord, we don't need to fall in either ditch with regard to the errors surrounding Mary. No. We don't need to elevate her to some extra biblical status 
And we certainly don't want to ignore her or how God used her to bring about salvation for all people. All too often, not only with regard to Mary, but with so many other things that are clearly taught in God's Word, we think we have better words than the Lord God Himself. We let our reason, we let our emotions, we let our fears and our worries and our doubts trump the Word of God. And in so doing, we rob God of glory and we rob ourselves of the peace, the comfort, the joy, and the freedom that we have in the gospel. My friends, with Mary, tonight, let us magnify the Lord. Let's hear the Word of God. Let's believe the Word of God. Let's live the Word of God. Let's live in the freedom and the joy and the peace and the comfort and the confidence that God gives us, knowing that the Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, lived and died and rose for me. For all of the foolish times when I place my trust in my own words or my own reason, we know that Jesus has risen victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And Jesus, through his forgiveness, fills us with a confidence to really live. To live as God intended us to live. To live free, to live confident, to live at peace. And as we live, the name of the Lord is magnified. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our confession. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.